Every, every time we have somebody that isn't um, one of the elders preaching, then we just love to introduce them and to pray for them um, before they start. Um, so I want to pray for Susie. I want to pray for us um, that we would receive all that God's given her with faith. Um, so let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Susie. Lord, we thank you, um, Lord. For, Lord, we thank you for the way that she pursues you and the, the incredible example that she is to so many. And Jesus, we just pray right now, Lord, that you would really use her mightily this morning. Lord, that you would speak your truth through her. Lord, that it would pierce us right to our hearts. Lord, I pray you would give us faith um, to hear what you're saying through your word. And that, Jesus, that we wouldn't um, shy away, Lord Jesus, but we would um, just let your word wash over us and transform us um, by your power in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can you hear me? Good. Hello everyone. Um, I'm Susie, as Rich said, and I've been coming to Rev for about nine years now. And it's an absolute honour and a privilege to speak to you this morning. So I'm excited to continue in our series in Philippians, which is a New Testament book um, written by Paul to the church in Philippi, which is in modern day northern Greece. So, um, if you've got your Bibles, it's um, Philippians 2, verses 12 to 18. And the title I've been given today is called Joy in Obeying. We're doing a series um, about joy. Can you see it? Good. So, it's joy in obeying. That's our topic for today. Um, And joy is an amazing word, isn't it? It's a wonderful word. I don't know um, what you think of when you think of joy. I think of someone completely exuberant, someone completely full of life, awake, alive, full of who they're made to be. That's what I think um, when I think of joy. And whilst preparing for this series and and, um, in the last few weeks when we've heard the different passages up until now, I really um, feel that God, through his Holy Spirit, is doing something amazing in us at Rev, that it's um, a joy that's very deep inside of us, which is what I'd like to explore today, a, a joy that isn't a sort of superficial sort of, way well, hey, I'm joyful, but it's a very deep and very real um, joy. And it's a gift. Joy is a gift from God. Um, it's an excess of his love and his grace. It's his character to be um, giving us these gifts. And joy is definitely one of those gifts. He pours out joy into our hearts despite our circumstances. And I know some of you, I don't know all of you, and I certainly don't know um, where we're all coming and our at, um, where we're coming at from um, this morning and what circumstances we've, we've come from. And I don't even know myself half the time. But I know that God um, does know our circumstances and he knows you each of you very very intimately (laughs) and he loves you and um, that whatever we're going through on the outside that God can give us a real intimate deep joy sorry I didn't think I'd be so emotional (laughs) so early on Um, anyway (laughs) um, what we see with um, Paul here as an example of that his, his circumstance doesn't look good from the outside He's in prison. He's writing this letter to the church in Philippi from prison, and he's suffering for his faith. He's being persecuted for his faith in a very, very real and horrible way. It doesn't make sense in human terms, therefore, for him to be speaking about joy. Well, I'll read it in a second, but he's saying, rejoice with me. It doesn't make sense. He's in prison, yet he's saying, rejoice And that's what's so glorious about God. That's the mystery that no matter what we're going through, he's suffering in the most real way. He he knows God has joy for him and he's experiencing this amazing joy and saying to the church, be joyful. And, 
yeah, it's such a deep joy and peace that God gives us and God wants to give us this morning. It's, it's immovable. It's this sort of very, very deep, yeah, it, it's fixed. And it doesn't, he, he's, he's saying to the church, you know, we all, have, um, we all have our ups and downs. We all have different circumstances in life. Um, what difficulties we're going through um, with our work, with our family, with our friends, with our health. But what I'm learning more is um, what God's calling to us this morning is a very, very intimate relationship with God. And when we obey him from that place of intimacy, that's when we're going to get real joy. That's the crux of my message, I've said it. (laughs) And that leads me to saying this joy doesn't happen automatically. And that's what we're looking at today. That um, obeying him, that's where obeying him comes into play. It doesn't just happen, you know, we, we believe in Jesus and wham, bam, everything's fine. You know, it's, it's this ongoing journey. So as we read this passage from verses 12 to 18, listen for the directions that Paul gives. He's quite, um, he's quite straight, you know, he's quite full on and quite clear, which is good for me and for you. Um, so listen for the directions that Paul gives in this passage um, that obedience really comes from knowing God's power in you. That's where it comes from. He gives us the power to obey him in the first place. It's not in our own strength. And my prayer is that we can be really sensitive and um, commit to a life where God's power is that real in us and that we, be- we obey him um, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important we rely on him for that, that... Um, that Andy's prayer of thanks that the Holy Spirit is, is in him and, it's, and the Holy Spirit's here now and the Holy Spirit's here to help us to obey him. So, let's get on with it. Um, verse 12, I'll read. 12 to 18, Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence... Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's just pray. Thank you, Father, um, for your word. Thank you for the truth that... um, Speak straight to the heart, Lord. We thank you that you are very near to us this morning. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. You don't leave us. And thank you that as soon as we turn to you, even in our minds, even in our hearts, that you're there. You're standing here this morning. You're looking at us all. And um, you're so willing. You're so willing um, just to bring us back to you. Your love and your grace and this deep joy that I have so... um, 
Yeah, so emotionally on my heart this morning, God, I pray that you would just pour out your joy, pour out your love and your kindness to us this morning. I pray that even the glint, even the slightest turn back to you, you're running with open arms, God. We're sorry for the way that we turn away from you, Lord, and I pray that you would just help me speak clearly now, help us have ears to listen, help us to be open-minded and um, gracious to, to each other and to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, yes, as I said, it's quite a striking passage. There's a few sort of like strong words, obey, you know, as you have always obeyed, Paul says, and work out, don't grumble, don't argue. It's quite clear. Instead, he says, shine and rejoice. And um, how do we do that? Well, that's all about God, Um, Yeah, his work in us. He helps us do that. And so the first point I'd like to sort of pull out, there are two main points today, um, how this works for us to obey and work out our salvation. If we just look at the first two verses, verse 12 and 13, um, the first point is that obedience is an ongoing partnership with God. So we're in it with him. He's in it with us. Therefore, he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. So we work out, God works in. And just to sort of preface this, the therefore at the beginning of this passage is in... in, um, is because of what's happened before. If we just look back... um, Last, if any of you were here last week, which I'm sure lots of us were, um, Dan's excellent sermon, he spoke about how Jesus, verse 5 to 7, Jesus was in the form of God. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. That's the key word for us, that Jesus himself humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Paul's saying now in our passage, therefore, in light of this, Jesus was the most obedient to God. He, he did everything. He gave up everything for us. And so therefore... We should obey too. And those of us um, today who know the sacrifice um, that Jesus made for us, that he's brought us God's forgiveness. It's so radical. Last week I was just amazed by those pictures, Dan, that um, this is God. This is God who created and is in control of the galaxies, that he would become a suffering servant who lived in Palestine 2,000 years ago. And he completely turned society on its head. He healed just the woman who was ill. She touched Jesus' cloak in an instant healed. He cared for the most unlovable. He said religion's not from the outside. It's about what's on the inside. And, and, then, and then he was the most obedient. He humbled himself and was unrightfully killed for us to take on the whole world's punishment. And he miraculously overcame death and he offers, offers us life with him and says, you're now my daughter, Susie. You're now my son. You can be part of my family. And it's this amazing picture of the humble God. It, it, it sort of blows my mind. It doesn't make sense, but that's, that's who God is. 
he's, he turns everything upside down. And we like to have everything in order in our heads, don't we? We like to sort of be in control. And God's saying, no, <laughs> that's not my way. And, and obedience with him. Yeah, we need to undo a lot of our thinking. We do. So, yeah, that, that it's, a, it's a life-changing passage that we're reading today that Paul writes in light of this radical life of obedience of Jesus. We now are to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And there's something quite serious about that, isn't there? That, that, um, fear, with fear and trembling. And it doesn't mean work out your salvation, i.e. earn your salvation, get your salvation. It's not that, that's not what that, that, that phrase means. It means God has given us this life and he's saying, make every effort to use the life I've given you. You know, if you gave someone a gift and they were like, oh, yeah, oh, no, I haven't worn that top or oh, I haven't used that new food blender. <laughs> I don't know why that comes to mind. You'd be like, well, what was the point of giving it to you? That there's a purpose, that God's given us life and he's given us, he's given us eternal life and he's given each of you very, very specific gifts. He's given you your character, your personality. He's given you everything and he's saying, I've done that for you. I've given you everything. Therefore, make every effort. And I think we're just so impatient. We're just like, or we think it should just sort of happen, that we sort of have everything easy or become like him. He's saying, no, make every effort. And it is serious. I mean, we put in so many hours to our work, don't we? I mean, we're work-obsessed in London. Or we put in all these hours with our friends, with our family, trying to make us look good at the gym. Not so much for me. But, you know, like, there's all this... We put so much effort into so much else. And God's saying... Just put in the effort with me. Come, come to me and sit at my feet. And um, yeah, that's, when, that's, where the, that's where the changing's going to happen. Um, yeah, when we come close and draw near to him. Is this okay? Good. So I wanted to share um, that it's not our own effort. But obedience is only possible because of God's work in us. In verse 13, it says... Work out your salvation because God works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. So he's working in us and we work out. And, and it's amazing God's chosen us in this journey. That He has the power to do anything, doesn't he? He has the power to take us to be with him. He has the power to change us in an instant. But he, there's this metaphor of journey, continue to work out. It's a continuous thing. It's a journey and it's a partnership. And our desires, that we even have a desire to pray or to read the Bible or to come to church here in this hot classroom, I mean school, is only possible because of God's Holy Spirit. It's only possible because of God and his work in us. So it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So I'm just going to pick out those two words that God doesn't leave us. He gives us the power to change our will. So he says, both to will, which is how we think our desires. So he's going to change us through his Holy Spirit to desire things that we've never desired before. I mean, I find myself sort of being moved by something I know as the human Susie I wouldn't be moved by. He gives us compassion for people that we'd never have compassion for. 
And he also takes away the desire that sometimes I think, oh, I just want to do that, or I just want to... You know, you get annoyed. Actually, God, in his Holy Spirit, takes that desire away. He's changing us. And, and yeah, it's amazing. That's what his Holy Spirit does, is change our will, so how we think. And then he says... I'm not just going to leave you there. I'm not going to change your desires, Elizabeth. I'm going to give you the power to act it out. So to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's this partnership. He's, he's given us the gift of eternal life. He knows our character better than we know ourselves. And he's saying, I'm now going to change your mind to become more like me, more gracious, more humble, more, more obedient. And I'm going to give you the power to actually do it as well. It's amazing. It's not just like, oh, here we are, see ya, good luck. You know, he doesn't leave us to do it alone. And it's a, it's a crazy concept that we're even part of this process of God being part of God's family and um, yeah, becoming more like him. That's who, what he promises, that every day we're becoming new on the inside, even though our bodies are wasting on the outside, the Bible says. We're becoming more and more like him on the, on the inside if we know him and if we love him, and if we're obedient to him. And it's an invitation. He invites us to take part in this process. And he never forces us to obey. He just very, very gently invites us. And that's the sense I had when I was preparing this, that God is an invitational God. He doesn't force us to do anything. He's saying, will you come and, um, to me, and I'm going to make you new. And I'm going to make you into who, you, who you're made to be. And it's this, uh, it's this, he works in as I work out. It's almost like a beautiful sort of dance that he leads us and he gives us a gift and then we work it out and it glorifies him and it happens again. And it's this process, it's a continual process and he's calling us to obey him in that every day. It's this ongoing journey. And what I'm learning bit by bit, is that it takes time. It takes time to learn to obey. Um, by nature, I'm very impatient, um, those of you who know me. But if I want something, I sort of want it now. And if I, you know, I have all good intentions, but I'm very impatient, and I'm aware of that, that I just want it now. And even in a good way, that we, want, we read the Bible and we're like, yes, 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 yes. And all, you have all good intent. And we're like, why can't you just change me to be like you now, Lord? And Paul even writes that, you know, it's better to die than to live. You know, he wants to be with Jesus and be changed in an instant. But obedience, God's been talking to me a lot about waiting and being patient. And, um, you know, why do we struggle to wait? It's like with a child, you know, there's that, you give them something, they want it now, but actually you know that it's better that they wait and they learn. And that's what God is saying to us today. Be patient and learn to obey. Each day, bit by bit, as we commit to listening to God and reading the Bible, our character's being refined. It's this process. And he, he chips us away. It's often really very, very painful when we come to him because he, he's molding us. And, it's, and what's so glorious is that refining is going to be so much more stronger. That's where maturity lies, in an obedient life that is day to day, bit by bit. He chips away that. He carves. There's lots of images in the Bible that he prunes, he takes away, or he's refining. And we, we become stronger for it. 
And God is definitely saying to us today, you might not, you might not see the big picture. You might really be struggling with something this morning. A good thing that you, you know God said this, and why can't I have it now? Or why are you not providing in this way? Or why can I not become more patient? You know, whatever our frustrations are, God's saying, wait, trust in me. And um, one of my favorite passages is in Romans 5, um, which sort of um, just shows us this journey, shows us that it's a, a, it's a procedure, it's step by step, it's not just, ba-dum, there you are. <laughs> um, Romans 5, I don't think I put it on the slides. This is about suffering. And it says, but we rejoice, so there it is again, joy in suffering. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 5. And it's amazing that suffering ends with hope. But suffering doesn't have hope right at the beginning. Suffering has, you've got to endure that suffering. And from that endurance, your character is going to be refined. And then from character, there's hope. And if we have the Holy Spirit this morning, that hope is not going to disappoint. So I want to encourage us, if we're feeling impatient like myself often, that I just can't be a better person or whatever, more, whatever our frustrations are, that God's saying, just come to me. In, it's that small step of obedience, really. Every morning, just come and sit with me, and I'll make you more like me bit by bit. I'm, even in the suffering, you can rejoice, and you're going to be able to endure, and you're going to have patience. All these things come through that. Ding, ding, ding. So that's my first point. The second point, moving on to the next two verses, from verse 14 to 16, have some of the most down-to-earth and magical images in some of Paul's writing. It's amazing. I love this passage. Um, So verse... I'm actually going to just have some water. Verse 14 to 16. It says, rather bluntly, "'Do everything without grumbling or arguing.'" So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. Gosh, it's like Paul knows us now, doesn't it? <laughs> Just in, in our time, don't moan. We're such a moany culture in England and in London. Don't moan about our boss. Don't and about London transport and Uber <laughs> or Brexit or just being argumentative for the sake of being argumentative. He says, don't. It's quite clear. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, it says here in this translation. It's quite stark and it's quite simple. But he's saying, don't complain when things don't go your way or suit you or cost you something, when your pride is damaged or when you're tired. The way of Christ, the way of God is humility. Like we heard last week in Dan's passage, it says, in humility, we're going back in chapter 2 to verse 3, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. 
But it's so, and it's so countercultural to not complain and not to sort of want things our own way and to think we're right and to prove everyone that we're right. Or you know, if that's if we're sort of combative people or if we're just in our heads angry at people, it's so it's so easy to just slip into that. But actually, when we go against that, when we go against that culture, the culture in England and throughout time, it's the most stunningly beautiful image, isn't it? It makes me joyful just even thinking about it. That um, we will shine like stars when we're different. When we choose not to slag off someone at work who's annoying or not so good, or if we laugh at someone talking about someone in a sexualized way, or whatever it is that culture sort of is just like. It actually makes a difference, and it makes us shine when we're different. And the Holy Spirit is, yeah, we'll do that um, if we're obedient. Paul says clearly, we should be blameless and pure in a warped and crooked generation. And I guess that that phrase again, it's quite strong. It's quite sort of sobering in a warped and crooked generation. And I am. Um, I wrote that part that I've just said, and then I woke up in the night a couple of weeks ago, and I felt God say, the darkness is very real. And God's not saying, don't complain, don't, it's sort of on the surface, not a sort of superficial thing to just be a sort of nicer person and, you know, don't grumble. Actually, we live in a crooked and warped world. There's something not right about society. There's something crooked. It's not straight. And it's dark both in society. It was dark under Roman rule in the first century, that women weren't treated well. Masters abused slaves. They were living under occupation here. And it's also dark in the inner workings of our own hearts and minds. I'm so self-absorbed. I wake up and I think about myself, or I think about practically what I need to do, or bigger questions about who I am, or where my life's going. And we spend all this time thinking about ourselves, and actually God's saying, don't, don't absorb society in the way society looks. He said, don't dabble in the darkness. That was the phrase, don't dabble in the darkness. And I, I'm speaking from experience, and I'm preaching to myself here, that we like to walk the line into how close can we get to the line? We've just got a legalist. That's just how we are in our minds. I'll just, or maybe just that, or maybe I'll just go for a drink with that guy. Just, it'll be okay. We just like dabble. God's saying don't. And the image I had was of a cushion on fire that when we like to compartmentalize, oh, it's okay to just be like that in that situation. But if your, if your cushion on your sofa was on fire and you said, oh, but it's just the cushion. It's just my cushion on fire. That's it. And it's not, is it? We, that's not how our lives works. And if we, if we play in the darkness, it's, it's, not, it's a destructive thing. And God's saying, don't, don't dabble in the darkness. And, and there's so much grace and um, peace and joy that comes, comes from obeying. And, and stepping away from that. And, it's even, and as I've just said before, he, he can give us the power to step away from that. He's not going to leave us alone when we say, actually, I'm not going to do that. I know that's not right. Yeah, so whatever you're struggling, struggling with, God is very, very um, gracious when we come to him. 
He's so gracious. He's so loving. And he's going to give us the power to change. And so what happens is the most amazing thing that um, if we walk in the light, we'll shine like stars. That phrase, it's amazing. And, and how do we do it? Well, the, the, the key is here in verse 16, holding firmly to the word of life. Among, so if just go back, that you do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast, this version says, to the word of life. And that's what I'm really, really wanting to get across this morning, that obedience comes first when we hold firmly to God's word. And when we come to Jesus and sit at his feet, that's what he's saying. It's hold fast to the word of life. And what are we holding firmly to? You know, ambitions for a safe life, a good life, a promotion, a husband, a wife, perfect children, the perfect house. That's what society is saying um, will give you life. Actually, self-centeredness leads ultimately to darkness. And look what happens when you obey, that we will shine. And with some of you, and I know when the Holy Spirit's just so um, at work in you because you do radiate God's glory. And that's what happens. I even, it's, it's in the Bible that one of my favorite verses is in, is in Psalm 34, verse 5. And it says, those who look to him are radiant. And I think it's not silly to say that actually we can actually be radiant. Some people can see Christ in us on our face, on our faces at work or when we're gracious. There's actually a glowing about us. I mean, it's, it comes from an inner work, but there is. I'm, I'm convinced of it. <laughs> and in, uh, in the Old Testament, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and with the Ten Commandments, similarly, his face shone. It's the same principle, this shiny, shininess. His face shone because he was speaking with God. And the amazing thing is we get that now. If we come and draw close to God and have an intimate relationship with him, he can make us radiant. We can shine like stars. He gives us the power to, for our minds to change, our hearts to change, and the ability to change. He actually energizes us to change. And become more like him. And I've I'm really been challenged over the past year to spend more time with God alone and hold fast to his word. And Sandra, who's, um, who's in North Africa, she, she encouraged me to just meditate on a short little passage of the Bible each day. Just a phrase. Because I said, Sandra, I, I'm someone who just want to read it all or have it all or know it all. That's my character. <laughs> just, ah, <laughs> you know, I'm enthusiastic, but it's not often that constructive. <laughs> um, and she said, just take a little phrase each day and meditate on it. And that's when God gave me the phrase, slow down and look up. And I talk so much that I hadn't given God a chance to speak. I'd literally, just in my mind, or when we read the Bible, you're just sort of so full of everything. I hadn't actually sort of given God any hearing. 
and in relationships as well as with God. We don't, we're just so self-absorbed and also, I don't know, we're just so fast-paced and anxious to just sort of do everything, get everything right or be everything or whatever it is. And God's saying to us this morning, slow down and look up. How can we become more like Jesus when we don't spend time with him? We put in the hours of effort with everything else. And Paul's saying here, make every effort. Don't grumble. Hold firm to the word of life. And so what happened is I put a date in my diary and the fruit that came from it was amazing. On the inside, I literally just... There's books. I don't know, maybe that's exaggerating. Uh, there's a book or two where God would literally just speak very, very clearly to me. And I started doing drawings that I would never do and aren't that good, but are very expressive. God gave me phrases. God just started speaking to me. He was like, finally, <laughs> I've got all this to say. And you're too busy. And you're too... Yeah, you're just speaking all the time. <laughs> Um, and he's really really longing to speak to us you might not be such a talker as me um, but you you still might be busy in your mind or you might be a very active person or you might just not give God the attention and God's saying please just come and sit with me there's the the parable actually it's not parable there's the example in the New Testament of Martha and Mary two sisters and um, God spoke to me about this. Martha's busy in the kitchen when Jesus comes. And Mary just sits at his feet. And Jesus says, Mary has done the better thing. And God is really inviting us today to just come and sit with him. Each day. And if we obey him in that and hold firm to the, to the word of life, he just speaks. Just radical, clear grace, everything, joy. That's what, that's what, all life is found in him. So how much time, very practically, how much time are we putting in the diary to, to spend time with God, to obey him in that? Please don't starve yourself. It's literally like a starving if we don't, if we know Jesus and, and we're not reading and praying. It, we're starving ourselves. And it's so easy to get out of the habit, I know. So we working and everything, it's very, very easy. But I think we have to take it seriously. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. If we've received this gift of God, he's saying, what are you going to do with it? Like the food blender. or the, You know, it's a gift. What are you going to do? You're going to make something with it. And the amazing thing is that, it, that it, this is the word of life. This isn't the word of death, and this certainly isn't the word of boredom, which is what I've found. Life with Jesus and being obedient is not boring. He is the ultimate joy and the ultimate life, and he has everything that we need, everything that we need. He makes us truly human. He makes us alive. We will radiate him when we come and spend time with him. We really, really will. And like I said, we'll become, we are becoming newer on the inside. We're becoming younger. 
on the inside. He makes us truly alive. And he uses all your gifts, your talents, your abilities at work, in the home, with people, whatever it is. It's not, you don't become some, you know, he's, Jesus was human. It's the most human thing to follow him. And he satisfies our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our physical needs, our intellectual needs. Nothing is too small for him. He's created it all. He's the most creative. He's the best accountant. He's the best doctor. He's the best manager ever. And where do we, where do we get our... Yeah, what are we holding to? What are we holding firmly to? We're coming to a close now. So don't we want to live lives that are are bright? Don't we want to shine like stars? If you know Jesus today, he gives you that ability to do so. He's gonna, he gives us the, the truest meaning of what it is to be who you are. He gives us this joy that we're learning about. He gives us godliness. And the more we do that, like I was saying, this journey, it's this partnership with him. He's saying, I've given you this, Beth. Now you can use that. And guess what? It's going to become even better. And it's this whole, it's this wonderful dance and continuous thing that we, we, as a church, we're just going to grow more and more and more. But it's not without effort. And it's not without obeying him. We can't just expect it like that. And so I guess I'm inviting us all today to accept that invitation to God, to come to him in the most real and humble way. And it's a joy that's very deep and very intimate. That's what I'm really was on my heart. It's this word intimacy. Do you really know Jesus? Or are you just too busy? And we're a community here. So we don't do it alone. Jesus gives us, God gives us his Holy Spirit. And at the end, Paul's saying, that Paul's actually suffering for them. But he's saying... And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. He's put in so much effort to share Jesus with them and, and encourage them in this way. And he's being poured out like a drink offering. He's literally being, he's suffering in the worst way. But he's saying, I'm still going to rejoice and be glad. And, and will you rejoice with me? And we have each other for that. So if you're really, if you're struggling in any way, or if you're going through this suffering, or if you're impatient, or if any of these things that I've said this morning ring true to you. We have each other, and we have Jesus, the best person of all. And those of you who know Jesus in this intimate way will know what I'm talking about, that we can all witness that life with God isn't boring. And it's not restricting. And obedience isn't this sort of Victorian master-servant sort of thing. Actually, it's the most glorious thing to know that God's crafting us and that we can be obedient and it's this wonderful dance. Um, and he's never far from us. So if you're, yeah, if you're interested and you don't know Jesus and, or if you're here and that you do know him but you feel like you've, there's a cloudiness, you're too busy or whatever it is, um, I'd love for you to speak to someone who you know here or to Rich or to Dan or, or myself or whoever it is. Um, I'd love for Jesus to bring us as a church that amazing joy that comes from intimate obedience. 
So that's that. Um, I'm going to end by praying and then I'll hand back to Rich. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God, that um, you're so very near to us this morning. Thank you, God, that like I said, when we, we just are so busy in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives in London that you, you, you just long for us to come and sit with you like Mary did. And I pray um, in Jesus' name that you would come now by your Holy Spirit, that you would just um, reveal the radiance of who you are, that you are just the most amazing, incredible God who loves us, who wants us to, to work with you, that you empower us to live this amazing life that's getting newer and better every day until we meet you. And it says, when we look at you, we'll be changed in an instant because you, when we even glimpse you, God, we change. And I pray that we would just look to you this morning. We'd look to your face. We'd look up. We'd slow down and we'd see you there, Jesus, the, the forgiving God, the humble God. Jesus, help us um, through your Holy Spirit to do that this morning. We love you, and I pray that, that this joy would be a very, very deep and real and intimate joy. In Jesus' name, amen.